Welcome, welcome, welcome. Sunday service, guys. I'm freaking amped right now. September 11th. That is a crazy day. I'm not going to reference September 11th. I've been talking about it all day long. Guys, we love you. We appreciate you. Um, shout out to all everybody that lost somebody. Our country is the freaking best on the planet. Let's move. Let's move forward. I had this thought today, bro. I was at uh, Target with my daughter. Mm -hmm. And I, she was like, I want this and I want that. I want this. And I had this really weird like thing that popped in my head and it was i shouldn't be buying her everything she wants she shouldn't get everything she wants and then i realized that literally all through my 20s and even up until now my late 30s i'm still convincing myself that i'm worthy of what i want mm. and i realized that it was because my parents were telling me all the way while i was growing up like you can't have everything you want. 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 Meanwhile, what my parents should have been telling me is, if you want it, let me show you how to create value in the workplace or in our family or at a neighbor's house down the street mowing lawns to get what you wanted. It's so interesting. Like People don't believe they're worthy of what they want. I think also it's like a, it's a this or that too like when you when you talk about that like i just remember like family members of mine growing up it's like well you could either have this or you could have that either you can like work and make a bunch of money and have no personal life or family or you can have a family and live like and make modest income yeah super it's super interesting dude like so i my wife um we've just been doing a a family meeting the last couple of weeks and shout out to my wife for running the family meeting. I don't know if you and Hiel do this, but I, I would su strongly suggest it and everybody else out there. In fact, I might even tell you guys, I might even live stream my family's meeting It's so interesting for two hours. We're going through like, okay, we just do a family meeting twice a month because we only have Asher 50% of the weekends. Right? So we're talking about like what's on the schedule, what are important, uh, my wife also implemented some things like, hey, um, what am I doing well? What could I do better? Um, what do I, I want to give you a compliment, but I also want to tell you what you could do better. And we go around the room and we have these open conversations and it's, it's super helpful. It gets everybody on the same page and you feel just empowered going into the week, you know, going forward. And my wife asked me, okay, so what's our family's goal? Like, what's our ultimate family's goal? Because money's not really an issue for us. And I was like, our family's goal is to go from the 10,000 meals that we feed every, you know, feed people every single day between the companies we own, we feed about 10,000 meals a day to people who receive paychecks from us and their two kids and their wife is kind of the average person that receives a check from us. 10,000 meals every single day are fed between uh, the companies that we own. And I told my wife, I said, I don't feel like I'm happy enough unless we're hitting 100,000 meals a day. We should be 10 times larger than we are. There should be 100,000 meals that plop down in front of human beings every single day that were put there because of the companies we have, the good decisions we've made, the systems we put into process, the operators we put into process. And we need to go from and, and, and it's interesting too. be sorry, I'm deviating. I'm just like all amped up right now. I, oh, I, I had, I was in Miami the last three days speaking at scale and escape. And I had this just, we had people coming up to me and asking me questions uh, based on their point of 
reference or their their perception or their current state of affairs. And man, if I could go back and fix a couple of things, here's a couple of things I would do better. I would have looked, I would have solved my problems faster. Okay, so let me, can I, can I tell you a quick little story? I love all the stories. You were like, all, okay, this is a really great story, okay? So um, the, uh, my, my, my parents grew up, we grew up with 12 kids in our house, okay? Everybody, we had 12 kids in our house, so 14 people lived in my parents' house at some point in our family's history. It was about a four-year window where 14 people lived in my parents' house, okay? Same mom and dad. 12 biological children, no adoptions. My mom is a saint for having 12 children. She had like four or five um, miscarriages. So she's just a saint, dude. Like she just went through it, you know? And my dad could never afford to buy a house with his credit and what his income was from his nine to five job. My dad was a CFO. My dad was a CPA. My dad was all the financial stuff. And we, you know how much they make, you know, they make anywhere between 60 to $150,000. And so if you need to buy a house that fits 14 people, you're going to have a really freaking hard time buying a house with your current credit and your credentials and your W2 and all of those types of things. So my dad, as long as I could remember, my dad was always buying houses subject to seller finance or lease option, did a ton of lease options. And um, he, that's how he bought everything. Literally, he would just call people. This is a, a tip, by the way. Somebody says or the, the, this um, topic of the day is how to go get your first creative finance deal. Well, we did that actually three weeks ago. So I think this is a redundant topic, but no big deal. I'll give you the answer right now. My dad just went to the for rent and he called people on for rent and he says, hey, I'm actually I'm looking for a house for my family. Would you be open to doing something on like a rent to own or a seller finance situation, or maybe even let me take over your existing payments, which is called subject to. And that's how my dad bought every house. Okay. Well, we have this house. Now this has nothing to do with creative finance, but this has to do with the way we are all raised. So pay attention to this. This is too freaking good. We have a house, um, Utah, Pleasant Grove, Utah. And we all move in and it's a five bed. Remember these numbers, five bed, three bath house. All right. Yeah. 3,800 square feet. Basement home, right? You have a, a top level and you have a basement. So you go down into a, the basement and there's a living room in just about every basement. And then there's a bedroom that my brother Corbin and I bunked in. Now out in the living room, my brother Chance, who's my oldest sibling, lived in the in the living room because we didn't have enough bedrooms. Okay, this happened a lot. I'm sure for a lot of people growing up with families that were, you know, not balling out. Um, my, my parents were well to do because my dad grinded. Like my dad freaking grinded his ass off, just like your dad did. Your dad still does. My dad still does. Yeah. Both your dad and my dad are both in the trades. Your dad's a tile guy. My dad, my dad's a cabinet guy. In fact, my dad was just over at my house the other day doing cabinets in my freaking house, right? 65 years old, still grinding out. Um, but what my what was interesting is my parents, like, even though the house was really big and really nice, we just we had 14 people and dogs living in this house. And so there was no bedroom for chance. So Chance is the oldest sibling. He's 18. What are you doing when you're 18? Bro, you're bringing home girls. 
You know, you're bringing your friends over. You're listening to rap music. You're coming home late. You're sneaking out at night. You're doing all the things that you need a private bedroom for, right? <laughs> but we didn't have the space. So anyway, we move into the house and like two months into living in this house, Cody, my mom goes, hey, like I was just down in the in the living room downstairs and there's this door. It seems to like kind of go to the outside because basements usually have like an exit door that you could go upstairs, yeah. you know, that kind Emergency of thing. exit. Emergency exit. Right. And so my dad was like, oh, don't worry about it. Um, it it's a door that goes to the outside. So we just assumed it was a door to the outside. Well, my brother complained and complained and complained about the living room. I complained about having to walk through out of my bedroom, through his living room to go up the stairs. And he had girls or this. And my brother big, like, don't look at me. What are you looking at? Like all the things that siblings do. Not, you know, your sister is really nice. So maybe you never dealt with this stuff. Oh, okay? no, she was not nice in high school. Okay, so, so you get it. I get it. I get totally it. get it. So it's it was horrible. Like my brother would make decisions. Okay, he would make decisions. Every aspect of my brother's life, my mom's life, my dad's life, my life was actually messed up be in the house because I didn't want to go down to bed my bedroom until it was time to go to bed. Right, I just stay upstairs, or I'd go down to my friend's house, or whatever. I just stay away. Like literally every decision of my daily life was surrounding the fact that my brother lived in the stupid ass living room in the basement and he didn't have his own bedroom. Well, one day my mom gets fed up and she's like, Doug, that's my da dad's name. You need to go figure out what is behind that door. And my dad's like, all right, fine. So what does my dad do? He goes down to the library and he buys a book on what? Cody's frozen. He buys a book on locksmithing, okay? Buys a book on how to become a locksmith. So my dad goes down, spends money to learn how to pick a lock. But he takes that book and he comes home and then he opens the book after he's home and it then tells him, you need to go and get the tools that you need to unlock the door. So my dad's like, oh, damn. So now he's taking gas, time, energy, et cetera, to go down to the hardware store to pick up these tools. So now he's spent like over $100 at this point, right? Comes back home, fiddles around with it to the point where he gets frustrated. Literally, I remember this day, he, go, he quits, he goes upstairs, he starts watching football, and my mom and him get in a fight over this, Okay. So they get in a fight over this, and um, Damien, I'm in Australia. Is it possible to get a subject two deals from here? First and foremost, why do you live in Australia? You just come to the greatest country on earth, bro. Just come over here. Come do deals over here. Just do virtual deals, okay? So my dad goes upstairs. They get in a fight, whatever. Here's what my dad's solution was. He literally built a bookshelf in front of the door and started filling other books on that bookshelf that he also was not completing. And it filled up and it covered the door to the point where nobody freaking ever asked my dad about this door ever again. <laughs> okay. Now think about this. Do you guys have other situations in your life just like this? Right. There's a problem. There's something that you're navigating around, whether it's like, I need to make an extra $5,000. I need to fix my car. I, my wife 
has a car that doesn't have air conditioning in the back seat for my kids. I need to get a better vehicle or I need dental insurance or I need this, right? There's a leaky faucet in my this or that. Like there's so many little teeny little decisions that people are navigating around on a daily basis. And instead of just solving the damn problem and moving on with their lives, what they do is they constantly, I'm one of these people, I'm sure you are, you can relate to this, you self-sabotage yourself because if you fixed all your problems, then what the hell would you complain about? <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like as human beings coming from the way our parents were raised, like we almost seek out things to complain about and then hold on to them like a warm blanket. Like, oh my gosh, these issues and problems. This is why I'm not successful. This is why I'm not crushing it. And you hold these things tight to you instead of just solving the damn problem. In fact, you will go out of your way and build a bookcase over the door. And you'll even, you'll even go spend the money on the thing like a book or the tool, but you literally give up as you're just fiddling with it. You reach one moment of frustration and you quit and you go back to your same bullshit. Okay. <laughs> okay. I, bro, I'm uh, Kenneth Lazard is zero down possible. Kenneth, go look at the YouTube channel, bro. We have a thousand, literally a thousand videos on the YouTube channel. Guys, go watch the YouTube videos, all right? Go watch the YouTube videos. Homeboy's trying to tell you a story right now, okay? <laughs> Kenneth doesn't know I'm trying to solve his biggest problem. So here's there's an end to this story that is so magnificent, okay? So my dad never solves the problem with his door, never, right? We move out of the house. Fast forward to July 4th of 2022, this year, this story comes to a, like culminates. It comes to a culmination. It comes to a, an end. So I'm in front of this house doing a story on my YouTube about how my dad bought the house behind me with creative finance. And I'm like, hey, I, I lived here 22 years ago. That was my bedroom. That house, that bed thing down there, blah, 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 blah. And I go, I'm like about to wrap up this video. Laura and I were literally going to jump into the car and drive back home to Arizona. It was the 4th of July weekend. We, we were just there. You, you remember. Yep. And the owner of this property walks out of the door. And she comes up to me and she says, excuse me. And I turn around and I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm so sorry. I'm just making a video. I used to live here. And she goes, oh, you're Pace Morby. I follow your YouTube. Oh, my God. I was like, oh, my gosh. Wow. Okay, cool. So we're having this conversation. And I, my wife walks up and she goes, hey, is everything okay? Like, it's now I'm in this conversation with her. And she goes, actually, I was just going to ask Pace if he wants a tour of the house. And I'm like, all right. This is going to be cool. Right? I go in there, bro. It's a time capsule. <laughs> it's a time. Like, nothing's changed in this house. But we go, but then we go downstairs and we go into this living room area. And she goes, yeah, you know, we, it, it, um, I go, what was the square footage on this house again? You know, I had 14 people in my family living in this house at one point. 
And she's like, wow, 14 people in a six bed, four bath house. Remember the numbers I told you at the very beginning? Yeah, five bed, three bath. Okay. So I go, no, it's it was a five, it's a five bed, three bath. And she's like, no, it's six bedrooms. I go, okay, so you guys did do a renovation. She goes, no, we did nothing to the house. You did nothing to the house. Wait, no, no, you you added a bedroom. My brother lived in this living room down here. She's like, why would your brother living in the living room? There's a door right here to a bedroom. We lived in that house, bro, for two years, not knowing that there was a bedroom behind that locked door. Oh, my God. Okay. So what's so funny this is so funny how other people live their damn lives, including me. And at 40 years old, I'm still working on mentality stuff. You are working on mentality stuff. Mental game is the biggest piece. Like, I'm yep. a victim. This is all the things, right? Yep. So my dad, Mr. Blue Collar, I'm going to do it myself. I'm going to buy the book and go do the tools, but literally do none of the work. Meanwhile... My dad's the hardest working guy on the planet that I personally know. He works harder than me. Okay, does your dad work pretty damn hard, Cody? Oh, yeah. He has for a lot of years. Okay, my dad has a problem with delegation, letting other people do anything other than him. He wants to control everything, be involved in everything. He self-sabotages every business that he's in. Okay. And I look at this and I go, how, I go, the door was locked to the lady. And she goes, yeah, it was locked. I go, how'd you open it? She goes, we hired a locksmith. <laughs> what, why, what kind of question is that? What kind of question is that? So fast forward, okay, fast forward. Three weeks ago, I have a guest stay in my, my guest house. Okay, my guest house is secluded from the rest of my house. It's like off, it's not even, they're not even attached, right? They're completely separate. And so um, this guest stays at the guest house. They're going around being a tourist about, around Arizona. They're driving one of my cars and they come back at night and they go, Pace, okay, Pace, I'm locked out of the guest house. And I'm like, damn. So I'm like, it's eight o'clock at night. All right, no problem. So Cody, what do you think I did? I uh, called a locksmith. No, I went down and bought a book on how to become a locksmith. <laughs> of course, I called a locksmith, guys. I called a damn locksmith. When you have a problem in your life, just hire a locksmith. So here's what happened. So the first locksmith shows up. Obviously, by the way I say that, you know a second locksmith's going to show up. Mm -hmm. What I did is as that first locksmith was showing up, he, I wasn't sure he was going to show up because it was late at night. Okay? It was late at night. So what I did is I go, all right, I'm going to text a couple of people I know and say, hey, I, I'm East Valley. I got this problem. I need a locksmith. Anybody know a locksmith that can do this? Okay? And it's Saturday. And our locksmith, Udi, doesn't work Saturdays because he's Jewish. So I'm like reaching out to non-Jewish locksmiths. 
And I, you know, it's ironic about locksmiths and Jew, Jewish people. They, it's just like Taiwanese people have the corner, like they have the corner market on like nail salons. Yeah. Jewish people have the corner market on freaking locksmithing. I don't know what it is. And then they ironically will not work on Saturdays, which is the number one day that people freaking get locked out of their cars and do stupid stuff. Right. So here's what happens. I don't buy a locksmithing book, guys. I don't buy a locksmithing book. I hire a locksmith. Now, the first locksmith that shows up was not a referral of mine. It was somebody I went out and found on my own because I was in an urgent situation. So the first person shows up and they go, wow, man, these locks are really challenging. These are really hard. You got an expensive set of door handles here. These are the most expensive. Um, let me run back to my truck and let me give you a quote. And I'm like, all right, I see what he's doing here. He's doing the old wholesale trick. Let me get, let me call my boss, you know, type of thing. Anchoring you. just Anchoring, anchoring. me. Okay. Laura Smith says, why do you not have a spare key? Because Laura, I don't freaking manage my guest house. What, what, we live in a gated community. What do I need to lock a, a, a freaking guest house for? You go through the garage door. I don't know where, know where the key is. Here's the, there's a longer story to it that we don't need to go into. Okay where the key is and all that kind of stuff. We, we know where the key was, but it's somebody, our previous guest took the keys home with them. So I get a locksmith comes over and before he comes back to me and gives me the price, one of my buddies texts me, he goes, dude, I've got a solid locksmith. He can be there in 15 minutes. I go, all right, cool. So I got a backup plan, right? So the locksmith meanders over the first guy and he says all right man this these like i said man these these are really really tough this is going to be a lot of you know he's anchoring 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 what do you think the price was for him to open up the thing and get my locks switched out so he actually had a key that worked on all the on all the doors how many locks 10 i don't uh 1500 yep it was like way up there right lot and i'm like nah dog i'm good like, I'm not spending that on my guest house. Like, I could literally give that $1,500 to somebody. I don't need, I'm good. Like, I'll just tell the person who took my keys two weeks ago home to Nashville. I'll tell them to just overnight it. It won't cost me any money, right? And he goes, fine. All right, suit yourself. And my guest, by the way, is in my kitchen in the main house waiting for me to solve this problem. So I've got this external pressure trying to get me to solve this problem, Okay. So what do I do? I text this other locksmith. They come over literally 15 minutes later. Why? Because they were a referral. That's, that's a, the lesson inside the lesson. This is a babushka doll. You, every time you get it, you get, you're getting multiple <laughs> lessons. I'm just unfolding multiple lessons here. Okay. So that is a, a side point. Okay. Re referrals are always going to be better than you just going online. Right. Homeboy comes over. How much do you think the second person tried to charge me? Same thing for all all 10. The cost for all 10 doors was $45 and they were done in 15 minutes. And the first words that were out of their mouth were, I love these door handles. They're the easiest in the business. Oh my gosh. <laughs> okay. So anyway, that person gives us here, here's here's something that's interesting. Now, here's the third lesson. So the first lesson is don't just hire a locksmith. You guys have a problem in your life? Hire a locksmith. Okay. Stop trying to do everything your damn self. This is the reason why you don't go from making 30 grand a year to a hundred thousand a year. 
It's why you don't go from 100,000 a year to a million a year is because you're not delegating properly and you're holding too many things to, to, your, to your chest. You can't grow, okay? Nobody goes to Elon Musk and goes, man, you're a billionaire because you know how to put tires on your Teslas. He's like, no, I hired somebody for that, right? Like he has people that work for him and do the things. So of course I hired the damn locksmith. Second lesson, get referrals, right? Be part of a community, people you can text, people you can trust. The, the thing that's really interesting is the blue collar side of me, this is the blue collar side of me, Cody, is I was going to drill out the lock myself because I was like, I'm not gonna call a locksmith. I'm going to drill the lock out myself. And I was thinking, because I've got my drills. This is in my oh. guest house. My guest house oh. has all my tools. You've been over my house. Yeah. So I'm like, oh, I know the solution. I'm just going to be a bull in the china shop because that's what I learned from my, my dad. Just do it yourself. Figure it out. And essentially, I played this out in my mind that if I drilled the lock, I would have gotten into the house within 30, 45 minutes, but it'd have shrapnel of metal shreddings everywhere, Right. And it would have been a mess. And it was already late at night. And by the time my guest got into their room, I wouldn't have a door. Like, I wouldn't have a lockable door. And I didn't want them to feel unsafe or uncertain because now I just had a locksmith over at the house. So I'm like, I'm, no, I'm not going to do this. I'm just going to pay the freaking guy. So I even at the age of 40, this is the biggest lesson of it all. Watching my dad build a freaking bookshelf in front of his problem instead of just solving the problem and paying somebody to solve the problem made such a big impression on me that it showed up 23 years later in a glimpse of a moment and I had to fight myself not to be that asshole. So you have to look at your life and go, where am I having to dis? dismantle everything that I thought that I made decisions on my own. I have not made any decisions on my own. My religious teachers, my scout teachers, my mom, bless her heart, my dad, bless his heart, my friends, everybody in my circle, the people I hang out with are who made me who I am. It's literally like 5% of who you are today is who you were born as. The rest of it is your environment and the people you're surrounding yourself with, people who are encouraging you, giving you good habits, bad habits, whatever. It's so interesting, like being around these types of lessons and getting older and realizing how many dumb things you've done in your life because you didn't want to just hire the damn locksmith. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. And I think one of the things, too, and it was in the book, Who Not How, was if you have money to solve a problem, you don't have a problem. But yet so many of us try to take on the role of locksmith or carpenter, contractor, all of those things in our life just because we, we can do it. I like, I like what you just said there. If you have a problem and you have money, you don't have a problem. That's so good. It's so good. And most of us come from the blue collar world, right? Our parents worked really hard nine to five. They're not out, you know, on Nantucket Island or whatever, you know, sipping, you know, tea and all that kind of stuff and chilling. Like that's not our childhood. Our childhood is very different. Like you and I went out on job sites. Yeah. 
yeah. all day long. Job sites, coupons at home. You know, don't don't turn on the lights at certain times of the day. Keep the air AC up at certain times of the day. Don't use the washer or dryer unless it's at night. Like ah! <laughs> all those things. It's it's also like for me and guys. We'll get into some Q and A. Sorry for the first thirty minutes. I had to go off ab about this, but I um. I'm so all sorts of passionate about it. I, I told somebody the other day in South Carolina, I was speaking at an event and I, this guy comes up to me, literally, this is, this is the greatest layup answer of all time. He says, Pace, I'm struggling and I don't know why I'm struggling. And I don't know why. And so it's just at a meetup, right? He's not a student of mine. Just yeah. we're at a meetup and um, he's sitting down. I'm standing up and I'm looking down on him over his shoulder and he's got his hands out. And I notice he's got a tattoo on his right forearm. Tattoos are dope. Like, I've wanted to get a tattoo multiple times in my life. I, there's nothing. I'm not criticizing tattoos. But what, I, what I've learned about tattoos is that they are a physical manifestation of the people that you hang out with. If you are, like, it is, nobody goes out and gets a tattoo that's never seen a tattoo before. You saw a tattoo, you thought it was cool, you came up with one on your own, your, the, your heroes, your friends. So like 95% of people I ask this question to, why'd you get that tattoo? Like, I thought it was cool. I go, no, 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 why did you get that tattoo? Let's dig into it. 95% of people are like, well, my friends have got tattoos. I go, ding, 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 you win, you win. So your friends are getting tattoos. What's interesting is that shows up physically on your body, Okay. What about the things that your friends are impressioning on your brain that are not showing up on your physical being, but are showing up in every aspect of your life? The way you treat your wife, the way you treat your parents, the, or not your parents, but your partner, the way you treat your finances, the way you solve your problems, whether you read the locksmith book and buy the tools, but don't do shit, or if you just go, I'm, I'm hiring a locksmith. Those things are non-physical, right? You can't see... I'm sorry, you don't see the optics. You don't see them. And you don't believe that they're there. But I told him, I said, the problem is the people you're hanging out with. I go, who's the most successful person you know as a friend? Somebody you can call on, they'll pick up the phone, and they have a nickname for you. Like, hey, knucklehead. Hey, dude. Hey, bro. Hey, hey guy. Hey, champ. Don't, don't call people champ, by the way. <laughs> Unless you're 50 years older than them, don't call them champ, bud, pal, or any of that stuff. Say, do, do you have any? He goes, uh, no, I don't. I go, that's your problem. That's your number one problem is that you are not part of a group of people that are doing this. The, 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 I learned from my parents. I learned from my friends. I learned from these people. And then people, what's ironic, I could go on the, about this for an hour. What's so ironic about this is that people are afraid to use social media, create a podcast, talk about money they made, talk about something they want, talk about how much money they're currently making, goals they have. You're afraid of talking about it because the people that are currently in your sphere would not approve of it. They'd be like, oh, you think you're better than me? You think you're cooler than me. And I could say one thing about, I could say a thousand things about you, Cody, but one thing that is incredibly impressive about what you did that most people didn't do well is you surrounded yourself with killers at a very young age. You traveled the world like seeking out killers 
in sales, in marketing. When I go into rooms, people go, oh, you're Cody Barton's partner. And I'm like, how do you know Cody Barton? You're like, oh, when he was 18, he was doing this thing. He did a meetup over here. I was like, what the freak? At 18, I was bagging groceries. You know why? Because my friends were bagging groceries. So, bro, kudos to you. Like, you figured out how to surround yourself with amazing people at a young age. When people ask me, how did Cody do it? And I go, look, Cody learned how to work hard from his parents. But there was something. His parents didn't give him the foresight to go do these things. It was other people that he surrounded himself with. That is a skill that people do not freaking realize. They think it's a cliche. They think it's, you know, flu fluffy stuff. You know, Tommy, our buddy um, out of Florida. Yeah, 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 Tommy. He's Yeah, Tommy came out to see me speak, and he goes, you're not going to talk about all that fluff stuff, are you? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> I was like, Tommy, of course you would say that. But here's the, here's the reality, dude. I wish somebody sunk this in my brain when I was 18 years old. You got, you got, you got to get rid of the people that are convincing you that it's okay to build a, a bookshelf in front of your problems. Think about how our, my life today would be completely different if my dad would have followed through and just hired a locksmith. No joke. My relationship with my brother would be better. I'm Bro, I'm not even lying. That was the two years in my life with my brother Chance that built animosity between us and indifference. And as we've grown older, it's not animosity or hatred. It's just we're completely different people and we went our different ways and it was all based on the living situation of that freaking house. So what are you guys doing? What are you guys doing? Got 650 people in here. What are you guys doing? What problems do you guys currently have in your life? Write them down. Okay, write those problems down. Put it in your phone. Text them to yourself, whatever it is, and then ask yourself, how much are those costing you every day? And 22 years later, my relationship with my brother is different because my dad wouldn't just hire a locksmith. Isn't that crazy? Cody's like, are you done yet? Can we get to, can we get to the Q and a? No, no, it's, it's a great story. And I think people, underestimate honestly like how how much of a difference it can make by surrounding yourself with those people because when i was 17 i was almost like every week every every other week i was staying over at you know you know who alex morton is some people might know who he is may may not but he's if he's not number one top two three income earners in the entire world for network marketing right now and so I was, bro. he's a top, he, no joke. Knowing I know what he makes based on a conversation you and I had two years ago. And now he makes twice as much as he did back then two years ago. He's in the top 0.001 percentile of the world. Forget yeah. about network marketing in the yeah. world of any income. Yeah. And so that, that that was somebody that I was, you know, my friends that I was, you know, friends with in high school obviously weren't doing anything because we we're in high school. And so I was going and spending the, the time with him and where he was, you know, getting his, you know, his starting into his stride of becoming super successful and, you know, 
then I, then all of my friends became older instantly at 17, 18, all my friends were, you know, he was 22 at that time. Now, you know, it was, everyone was either, you know, 22 to 60 was everyone that I hung out with and, and spoke with, and they were all making a bunch of money. So it was like, you know, becoming a product of that environment, you know, changes everything. Yeah. What's here, here's what, here's what I love about this. So check this out. You've got, um, pole gem says, I could not repeat, not live in a house with a door. I never opened get an ax. Okay. Okay. I get that. Okay. I totally understand that entirely. Now, if you understood the circumstances, Utah is interesting. When you have a basement house, you assume one of those doors is a door that leads out of the basement. Okay. You just assume it is. It's crazy. But when you have 12 kids on top of that, you're not going around and like inspecting everything. You got two jobs. You're trying to survive. You know, my parents bought 144 eggs a week and 12 gallons of milk a week. My dad was living a different life than most people were. So I'll, I'll give him credit there. But the interesting thing is that Pole Gem says, I could not, repeat not, live in a house with a door that I never opened to get an ax. However, I'm sure you have problems, me included, that I do not take the same fervor or energy towards those problems in the direct parallel of taking an ax to those problems and kicking the damn problem to the ground. Do we, do we all not have these problems in our lives? Maybe the way I talk to my wife, maybe the, w the way I never, read, uh, I, I never read enough or I never follow through or I tell my friends I'm going to do this or I, I tell myself I'm going to start cold calling. I tell myself I'm going to generate a lead. I tell myself I'm going to blah, 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 all these things. But because we're comfortable in whatever situation and because the people we're hanging out with are not giving us that external pressure of, dude, why aren't you doing this? You know, like, here's a really good example. Somebody asked me about four months ago, why did you and Cody start getting into title and escrow businesses? What was such a great idea? Why was that an idea that popped up? I go, bro, that was not an idea. That was watching somebody else in our friend group going and starting title and escrow businesses, giving us physical permission. They never called us and said, yo, go start a title company. It was them doing it. And because we spent a lot of time with them, we were pulled in the gravitational pull of that person's life. And we go, we looked at each other and go, think we should start a title company? Like, yeah, I, I guess that's what we're supposed to do. That's how, that's how this happens. <laughs> Meanwhile, 700 people are on here between a couple of YouTube channels and the Facebook group. And you guys, out of those 700 people, make a comment in the comments. Do you have, I know the sub two students are different, but the non sub two students, you're going to see the difference. If you are a sub two student, one of your requirements when you come into the sub two group is to create 50 friends as quickly as possible. 50 friends, not acquaintances, friends, people that you could call, have a nickname with, 50. Okay. But most people, their number one problem when they go, I don't have a deal it's because they're not associating with other people that are doing deals. Your first deal was because you were associated with Frank Kelly, who was doing yep. deals. Yep. My first deal is because of the same thing. I think too many people, like they, 
and I know I, I was I, I did a call actually with your your sub two students last week. Um, Emilio got me on with with one of the accountability groups, and I was talking to some of the newer students, and and we were talking about that, like having you know associating yourself with people that do deals because too many people. I think especially when they're getting started, they're like, they just want to find other people interested in real estate. And it's like these like four friends that have never done a deal and they're like just hanging out and they're like, we're going to do deals. We're going to do deals. But they none of them have the track record of actually doing deals. And that's where you have to go and align yourself and get around people that are doing what you actually want to be doing, not just people that are interested in doing it. And you're just getting excited together, but there's no actual you know, traction hitting the road. Yeah. It's, it's interesting. Um, you know, with that whole thought process of, I will knock down a door with an ax if it was locked. Right. Mm -hmm. People will say stuff like I'll do anything to do a deal. Okay. Well, you know, there's literally out of 700 people that are on the live right now, there's probably a good two to 300 that are doing deals. The other 400 could just reach out to these other two or 300 and go, I'll knock doors for you. I'll cold call. I'll do whatever. I will take a damn ax to that problem of me not getting a deal. And I will apply that energy to your business so you can walk me through the process. They'll feel hyped and excited about it. But then tomorrow, what they'll do is they'll do what my dad did. They'll be interfaced with the problem have one ounce of work that they have to do and they'll go upstairs and they'd rather have my mom yelling at them about them watching the football game than go through the 15 minutes of agony to actually unlock the damn door. I mean, am I wrong? Super. I mean, this is stuff that like, it's such a simple concept of the way that you share the story. It's like, Hopefully this is hitting people just like blowing their mind open of all the nonsense that they're spending time on, on a day-to-day -day basis. And just, you know, doing, doing the thing of like buy the locksmith book and like learn how to do all of the things. And it's like, people just make their lives harder than they need to be. <laughs> they do people, people overcomplicate everything. So anyway, um, let's get into some Q and a. Okay, we got some good stuff. This is good. Um, hold on a second. Can you? I got my daughter just turned something on. Hold on a second. I got to. I got to mute myself. Oh, you're good. All right. Corbin. All right, I'm back. All right, so Kelly Ray, can I sub to or creative finance a property that the owner already filed in bankruptcy? No, because they've named that mortgage in their bankruptcy hearing. The judge is going to dismiss that debt. It's going through the hearing already. So this is a sister question to when people say, Pace, what if I buy a house sub two or seller finance and the seller then goes and um, files bankruptcy? What do I do? Well, what you do is you have them omit legally by the way that's legal omit which is not include omit means not include or remove they remove that one debt from their bankruptcy filing and they go i'm filing bankruptcy on everything but this debt because i no longer own this asset somebody else does okay we have bought um four deals out of bankruptcy court they were already in bankruptcy we talked to the judge the judge removed all four of those properties from those people's um, bankruptcy proceedings but if this person's already filed bankruptcy 
you've got to go in and have that conversation very quickly and you need to get the judge to remove it from the bankruptcy filings because yes, you can buy a property subject to or seller finance even though somebody's going through bankruptcy. Seller financing will be a little bit more challenging because the seller will be receiving payments and now the people that they owe money to and the reason why they're filing bankruptcy will come in and go, that's our money, okay? But you can still do it, absolutely, okay? Um, great question. Really, really great, great, great question. Um, which one of y'all going to lend me money to attend a workshop? <laughs> this is oh, great. Guys, a wor a workshop should be free. Go to real estate investor meetups. Um, go, they're free. Go to type in like whatever city you're in, not financial advice. Type in your city and real estate meetup and you'll find like 15 meetups every single month. Uh, Christopher Deal. Pace, have, can you put a clause in a wrap, a wrap note that gives you the, as the note holder, the first right of refusal to refi the note for the buyer? Absolutely. Um, it is not a strategy that I typically use, but it sounds really cool and unique. Uh, a couple of our friends use them. Eric Sage uses them, but it is such a rare situation that you would even want to do this. But yes, you can literally put anything you want in a wrap note. You can write, you can even say that that person is required as part of your payments to walk your dog once a week, as long as it's an enforceable part thing, you can write, write whatever you want in a note. Okay. Just FYI. Um, Jennifer Bonner says recently realized that my husband and I are introverted homebodies and we do most everything together, including work. We are not averaging up. You are 100% not who I like that. You are not averaging up. I want to I want to grab this one because introverted homebodies. Shout out to shout out to my other introverted homebodies. Damn, here. that's a really good one. <laughs> Averaging up, I love that. I'm writing that down. So so Jennifer, this is one of the things that I did because I was the same type of person uh, where I didn't really love going to the meetups and like networking events. Like I don't you know like the small talk of like hey like you know it's nice weather today. Good to meet you. Like you know, that stuff that people want to, you know, say to me when I'm talking to them at meetups, like I don't thrive in that environment. And so one of the things that I did was I'm, I, I wanted to establish relationships. So what I did instead was I joined all the Facebook groups around things that I was, you know, trying to learn about and then would find people that are actively posting, doing deals, direct messaging them, trying to establish a relationship, you know, through Facebook, through Instagram with people and seeing how I, we could exchange value, getting on the phone with them, having conversations. So that was one way. That's a free way. Anybody can do that. The, uh, the second way is, and this is a paid way, which is going to masterminds. Because if you pay to go to a mastermind, there's other people that have paid to be there. And it's likely that you'll find some people in the room that you're going to be able to mesh with. Um, you can pay to go to, you know, conferences, bro. Like, it ain't likely it's a hundred percent guarantee. Have you ever been to a mastermind that you felt like you'd like even a really bad mastermind I've been to? I'm like, I got my money back. Yeah. There's a, there's always at least like one or two people that I'm like, all right, like those are good relationships to hold for the future, even though I will never come back to this particular event or whatnot. Yes. Yes. For sure. And it's like, I see that as like currency. It's like, uh, uh, relationship currency, going to like masterminds and going to these events and like establishing these a couple new relationships and identifying like, okay, these are a couple people I want to continue, you know, talking with, I'm going to set up, you know, additional conversations with them and find ways that we can maybe exchange value, find things that I could help them with potentially. That's, that's how you can do that. And 
you can still be a homebody. And when you're at the the mastermind or the specific conference, it's a lot easier because you're there for that specific conference. It's not like a general just networking event. So hopefully that helps with that. That's how I do it. Um, and I thrive a lot better in that type of environment. Um, Cody, change your microphone settings on your laptop. It's been on your laptop, I think, the whole time. Oh, man. It's all good. Um, okay, dude, real estate. Pace, new student here. Oh, my gosh, dude. I'm telling you, this is the most action-packed week we've ever done in Sub2 ever. We have 26 support calls this week. 26. Tw 26. One of them uh, multifamily, bringing in an attorney on another one. Daily dial, nightly dial. I'm doing for myself. By the way, Atlanta Meetup. If you are a Sub2 student or an Astro student, Sub2 Astro Meetup, Friday night, Atlanta, Georgia. Write that down. Where is it happening? I don't know. It's happening in Atlanta, 5 to 8 p.m. this Friday. I'm going to say that again. This Friday, Atlanta, Georgia, 5 to 8 p.m. It's a meetup. It's not a real estate seminar. It's not a, a mastermind. There's no money exchanging except the last time we did an Atlanta meetup, I spent nearly $8,000 of my money to buy food, drinks, and rent out a building. Okay. So if you guys are anywhere near Atlanta on Friday night, come see Jamil and myself. My wife, my kids are going to be there. We will have over, last time we were in Atlanta, we had 380 people show up to a free meetup. No, it's not streamed, unfortunately, Peggy. I'm very sorry. Okay. Friday night, 5 to 8 p.m. Pace, where is it? I don't know yet. We're working on that. We will let you know. Follow my stories. Um, obviously, sub two students, I'll see you five times this week. Um, Alonzo Franco, um, Alonzo, I would love to have a conversation with you about this. It's really interesting how people don't, f they follow me, but they don't follow me enough to know the update guys. The TV show has extended from a five month series. P Alonzo, pay attention. Everybody pay attention. Um, the TV show, uh, season two of triple digit flip on a and E has gone from a five month recording session to a 10 month recording session. I have been filming season two of, of triple digit flip for 10 months. Everything has changed. My speaking engagements, our mastermind got changed. Whether my wife and I were going to try and get pregnant this year changed. And also when we were going to go to Tacoma also changed. Okay. We are working on it. I do not know when it's going to happen. I'm in communication with Robin Hurt, who is the person there. We're actually, I think, putting her on payroll in the meantime because I want her to stay super involved. And by the way, if you guys have never done your first deal, we have a uh, challenge. The Elephant Challenge is starting back up on September 22nd, September 23rd, and September 24th. That's in two weeks. Okay, so you got to go to Pace J Morby at or no dot com. I don't know why does our team use Pace J Morby, Cody? Do you know why? I don't know what they're doing with that. Here, I'll, I'll post it in the comment section. Here, give me a sec. I, I, I'm like, why we have PaceMorby.com? Why are we using Pace J Morby? It's almost like to punch me in the face. This is make it harder. We're doing the locksmith thing. We're we, we're building a bookshelf in front of the door rather than just getting it done right. You know, I love it. So great. Um, Lawrence, I saw you ask, ask this question up earlier. Lawrence, or Pace, can you still buy a house sub two if the seller filed chapter seven? Lawrence, I'm going to answer the question again. If the seller has filed chapter seven 
and you then buy the house or you get under contract, you need to go to the bankruptcy court, the judge who actually goes through the filings and they, they go through the dismissal, the non-dismissal of all the debt. You have to have the seller and yourself get the judge to remove or omit. I use the word, word, word omit. Remember when I used the word omit and I had to explain what omit meant? I explained this already a little bit earlier. Happy to do it again. Just want to make sure that we did cover that. I did answer your question. The answer is yes, you can. Okay. Um, Pace, when closing the deal on San Angelo property, how did you walk through the safe law? Oh, Grayson, you're the guy. You're the guy that's the technical thinker. Okay. Um, the safe laws. Grayson, come come on the come on the show. I want to have a conversation with you. I'm going to invite you on here. Okay. Grayson, I'm giving you the link in the side chat. It's going to be streamyard.com forward slash whatever. We're going to be on here for another 37 minutes. If you guys have a question you want to ask us directly, get your butt on here. I'm going to, we'll answer like five or six questions live. I'm giving you the link in the side chat, streamyard.com forward slash a bunch of mumbly jumblies. Okay. Joel, don't even, here's the funny thing about Joel. Joel is such an engineer brain. He will get sucked into any new information, even if it doesn't pertain to him. I love it. Grayson, get up here. I want to have a conversation with you about that whole entire thing. How to do my first fix and flip. Easiest question I'll ever answer for you. Victor, where do you live? Find a wholesaler that's doing, you don't even have to find the deal. Victor, come on here. Let's have a conversation. I'd love to talk to you about your problem. Okay. A lot. Uh, hey, Ella Ray, how you doing? They weren't ready. Okay. If you guys are in the backstage, which I've got a handful of people with in the backstage, turn your camera on, make sure your mic is good. Okay. I've got two people on here, Roy Shepard and Jay Moniz, and you don't have your stuff turned on. I'm not going to call on you if you don't have a camera. We want to see your face. We want to see what you look like. Okay, so um, who was it that asked that question? Grayson. Grayson, get your butt up here, dude. What are you doing? Get your butt up here. Let's have a conversation. Okay? Grayson asked the question and then bounced. You know? people. I love how people come into the backstage and then they leave. Uh, Jay Moni, uh, Moniz. I like how close your camera is to your face is good. I like it. That beard is solid. Joe has a, a I like Joe. Joe's solid. He's got a headset. He looks handsome. Joe, how you doing, brother? Good, man. How are you? Really good. What can I do for you tonight? So um working with a couple of uh, foreclosures, mm. and uh, I was told that, or I've read that uh, filing bankruptcy would stop those foreclosures. They're going on Tuesday. Yep. And I'm trying to figure out what the best way is. Now, you're mentioning that if they file bankruptcy, um, just filing it, then that means that we have to go and omit that after the filing, correct? No. So here, here's this is such a great question, Joe. We could talk about this for an hour and a half by itself. Cody and I sure. bought, we probably have a good, we probably have done this 40, 50 times. When we just yeah. used to knock doors, um, uh -huh. we, we used to knock pre-foreclosure doors. As a, Is that your wife? She can, she can hang yeah. out. Everybody say hi. What, what's her name? <laughs> Julie. She can't hi, hear you. Julie. He says hi. It's Pace Morby. We listened to him earlier today. <laughs> awesome. So um, we used to do this a lot. Um, we used to knock doors exclusively like 2019 um, yep. for about six months. It was our main revenue generator, knocking right. doors on foreclosures. 
we would run into so many sellers just like you are right now that would bury their head in the sand all the way until it came down to two hours before they're going to get their butt foreclosed on. Yep. And so we hired an attorney. We got consultation. We learned all this stuff is that anywhere in the country, this is federal. This is not just state. If the seller goes down and files, just files, they don't have to follow through with the bankruptcy. Right. And they can cancel the bankruptcy at any time. They're going to have to pay $300 is what it costs in Maricopa County. That's where we are. File the bankruptcy and immediately it halts, not stops, but it halts, pauses the foreclosure. Now, sellers figure this out, right? They get bankruptcy attorneys that go, just file bankruptcy and you'll keep your house, right? And they figure out how to kick the can down the road for three or four years. It is technically fraud if they, um, within 30 days, they have to, if they're not actually intending to file bankruptcy, they need to cancel the bankruptcy within 30 days. Right. Okay. So what you need to do is if you have people getting foreclosed on on Tuesday, you need to take the seller down. Physically, the seller has to be there. Can't just be uh, you. Okay. We had to, we literally drove sellers to the bankruptcy court to have them file bankruptcy. Oh, shit. Okay. Yeah. That's way and, down in St. Paul. I'm in, in, um, you don't have Central to do Minnesota. It. They just, someone, need, they just need to do it. They need to, they need to go down. You, themselves you, don't, have to phys- you don't have to physically be there. They, they just have to be there physically. Okay. So you need to get them to go. We had people like down in Tucson. I remember Cody had a couple of deals that were like two hours South. We, south. we didn't want to drive them all the way down to Tucson. So we just got them to go down to the bankruptcy court. So they pay for us. It's $300 in Arizona. I don't know what it is in, in your guys's neck of the woods, but they spend Same. the money immediately. It pauses the, the foreclosure immediately. Okay. This has nothing to do with COVID. This has nothing to do with anything that's been going right. on the last couple of years. It is, it's been going on like this for a very, very long time. Okay. So what you then do is you, what are you going to do? Are these cash deals? Or are they um, um, sub two deals? No, they're sub two. There are first sub two deals. So okay. with wholesaling not being as lucrative as it has been, we've been trying to uh, get some uh, creative deals, and we've come up with two in the last week. And so this is the first one. The other one's in forbearance still. So we got time on that one. This one's mm-hmm. just the one that's an emergency. So it's trying to figure out. All right, I know we can file electronically, but is that an option, or do we need to go down to have her go to St. Paul to, or I guess it'd be Minneapolis where she would file. Here's, here's the question you got to ask yourself. If you file electronically, are you a hundred percent certain that it's going to work and you're actually going to stop the foreclosure? So here's what I was told that if we file electronically, follow that up with a call to um, the, the office where you file Mm-hmm. And uh, as long as you have a receipt and you send that to the lender and you send that to the the uh, lawyer, then it, it will. Amazing. Kind of, I mean, could stop. Yeah. So, so so it's OK to do that. We tried to convince every one of our sellers that had like a very short window to do that. Ninety percent of them did it. The other 10 percent still were like ostrich with their head in the sand. They're like, I'm not filing right. bankruptcy. They're no, nobody's going to take my house. They They lost their house. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, you file, you have them file a bankruptcy. What you do is in that meantime, you've got time. What you need to then do is you need to go, um, figure out your exit strategy because you're not, you probably, if you're used to wholesaling, you're probably going to wholesale this up to deal. Right. Right. I have a, a cash buyer here in town that he's one of the, 
the bigger realtor guys that I've hooked up, you know, been we, he's bought he actually bought my second wholesale deal ever here in local. Nice. So you'll and, probably end up you'll probably end up wholesaling this sub these sub two deals, right? So yep. you need to hurry and wholesale those deals, close escrow before you go and cancel the bankruptcy. Right. Right. And at that right. point, your buyer is going to catch up the arrears and pull that house out of foreclosure anyway. And right. there's no need for the bankruptcy at that point, regardless. Right. I'm curious, Joe, when when is the foreclosure date? Tuesday. Tuesday. Oh, Tuesday. Okay. Yeah, that's the best bet. Uh, the other option, if you had more time, like if you have more than like seven business days, sometimes we can get away. Pace's wife, Laura, has always crushed it with this of getting on the phone of someone uh, at the lending at the lending company and then providing a contract, a purchase agreement between us and the seller showing that we're going to pay it cash within 30 days even. And they'll usually extend it. Not always. Joe, but that is tomorrow, my yeah. wife is actually doing a training on this for sub two students privately. Um, so anybody that has a foreclosure that you don't know how to extend the foreclosure, that's a sub two student come in. My wife will actually show you how to call the foreclosure or the loss mitigation department and extend the foreclosure. That's a better, a way better option than filing bankruptcy. So, um, anybody that has a foreclosure tomorrow, um, sub two students only, my wife is doing a training two o'clock to 5 PM, three hours. My wife is my, my wife doesn't like training. She likes actually doing the work. Okay. So she, you guys have an address, you have a loss mitigation department. My <clears> wife <throat> will just get on the damn phone and solve the problem for you. And that depends on, on which state, because we've done this in Iowa too. And she's in never Iowa, had a single problem in, in any state, Iowa, really? Ohio, Iowa, Iowa is the state <laughs> capital of Ohio, right? Right. <laughs> Iowa is terrible, man. You want to talk about corrupt. Those people, man, we, we did everything we could to get this lawyer just to, to put it off for another week so we close. And, if and you, they if, would if, not, if, so we had to work through it. Any sub two students has a foreclosure, my wife will help you guys out tomorrow. We'll walk you through it. Joe, you got anything for us? I want to make sure we get through the other people. No, we're good. Thank you so awesome. much. Great Appreciate question. It. I love that you have a headset. I love that you turn your camera on. I freaking love that. Thank you, Joe. <laughs> My pleasure. Okay. Um, wow. Really a lot of stuff. Um, hey, uh, how do I find a cash buyer for a deal I found on Privy? Oh my gosh. Really? Oh my gosh. How is that? What, guys, what? Huh? Watch, watch how easy this is. Okay. I'll show you how easy it is to find. You already have the address. You have the address of the deal you found on Privy. The deal will show you the buyers in that local vicinity if you just scroll down seven inches. Okay, um, Cody, give me an address. Um, actually, here I'll, I'll give you. I have a I have a sub two deal in in uh, under contract right now in Atlanta. Let's pull yeah. it up and I'll let's see Eddie. You know what I like about Eddie Charger is that I like a lot of things about Eddie. But he never gives me the address in the emails. I have to click on his Google Drive. I have to click on his Google Drive thing and then, or the Google images, and then I can look at the Google images that gives me the, the address. I'm like, Eddie, why are you making me work so hard, dog? Come on. Don't make me work so hard. All right, so let me let me show you guys how use easy Dropbox. it is. Don't use Google Drive. Yeah, that is correct. 
All right, so I'm I'm on Privy, guys. Um, for any of you guys that don't have Privy, it's uh, we actually show you guys how to use this in my wife and my training, which is that elephant challenge thing we're doing. Uh, Cody, will you drop that link in the side chat for people so they can sign up for this challenge? I'll show you guys how to do this. So this is a sub two yeah. deal that I just got under contract. Look at look how cute this thing is, by the way. Is this thing hella so cute, cute or what? The cutest. It's cute, you guys. Okay. Uh, all right, so check this out, guys. This is this is a knucklehead question because watch how fast we'll fall, find a buyer. 1857 Meadow Lane, Decatur, Georgia. All right, so that's the address. You can see it right here. Here's the address. Let's pull it up. Watch, watch how fast this is. Okay, I'm going to click on this address, and then boom, here's the buyers right here. These are closed deals that buyers flipped right here. This is my subject property. These are houses that other people already sold. Other fix and flippers sold these properties directly underneath the house that you quote unquote found on Privy. These houses right here, you just click on them. The ones that have already sold. Oh, 1999 Willoway. I own a house on Willoway. Hold on. Let me, I got to see how close is my Willoway house to this. 19, oh my gosh, 1931 Willoway. Holy crap. 1931 Willoway. I'm, I have a house literally. Let's see, where's the Willoway? Um, let's see. While you're pulling that up, Z Binks, I just posted a video where I talk about exactly how to find and talk to cash buyers on my YouTube. I have like four videos on it. Pace probably has 40. I mean, there's, a lot of resources for you for free there. Yeah, this is so the, this buyer right here, this is the they this person bought this house, they flipped this house. This is your buyer. The per, the owner of this property, the person that sold this property in April is your buyer. And by the way, I, literally that I have a house on Willoway to four houses away from this the comp. The Atlanta is so great. Guys, Privy is really easy to use. We teach you how to use um, Privy in the Elephant Challenge, how to find buyers, how to find deals. It's a three-day challenge. It's super easy. It On like the fourth or fifth day of the challenge that we did last time, we did a two-week challenge, realized it doesn't need to be two weeks long, We so we, create, we changed it to three. On like the fourth or fifth day, some lady comes in. I can't remember her name. She's super nice. She's like, when are you going to sell us something? When are you going to sell us something? I'm like, I'm, we're not selling you anything. We just want to grow our Facebook group. We want to help people find cash deals. So we don't, we're not trying to sell anything. We want to grow our Facebook group. And we I, honestly, the main thing is I want my sub two students to be able to help you guys in the free Facebook group. Okay. And we ended up having 1,243 people submit their first offer. Um, Grayson, what knucklehead did you talk to in Texas that is overthinking and overeducating you on, on safe laws? By the way, safe laws don't come into, into act when you're a single individual investor, unless you've done over four deals in the same year. So I had, I had read that in the, uh, because the United States had passed that law, but mm -hmm. whenever I had read into the Texas laws, they had not mentioned that one. I had mentioned, or I had read the first two, um, mm -hmm. but I had not seen that the texas laws were under five so if you can do that as a single individual investor under five then it shouldn't pertain right it does not pertain safe safe laws do not pertain to anybody unless you're an institution and you become an institution after your fifth deal in one year so you can do um 
you can do those years and then the next year you can do them all over again. Most people are not wrapping that many deals. You live in Texas, which is probably why wrap is appealing to you. Wraps are really not that appealing outside. For me, the only state I would ever wrap in is either Arizona or in Texas. Arizona, because we buy a lot of deals here. Texas, because your guys' property taxes are stupid. Like All it's right. ridiculous. People are like, oh, well, we have no, we have no state income tax. I'm like, yeah, but you guys' property taxes are like Connecticut property taxes. Yeah, it's not even fair down here. It's well, crazy. Hey, I mean, that, that was super nice. Yeah. So um, when you're wrapping a deal in Texas, um, the San Angelo deal, by the way, he didn't create a wrap, right? He created a note, which is actually two different things. Okay, so he the the seller owns that property free and clear, the one in San Angelo. So he created a single note. It's in first position. When you say a wrap, that means there's two positions being sold to the buyer that are literally, Grayson, the word wrap is literal. It means you're wrapping the first position and the second position in one deal. And your buyer doesn't know there's two underlying mortgages. They only know it as one because they make one payment to you, not two because you wrapped two deals together. Does that make sense? It does. And yeah, it's good yeah. to know, because as you can clearly tell, this is mine and his first creative finance deal. Oh yeah, it's all good. I, I would, um, the safe, you'll never have to worry about safe deals. What will typically happen for people that are, um, are sa the safe laws, people that will start doing a lot more wraps, you'll find that you won't do that many wraps because you'll realize that wraps are crap. <laughs> that and was I'll easy to remember. I'll, t I'll tell you why. There, I, Raps are amazing. They're super powerful. But the thing that's about bad about raps is that as you scale and you build your business and your journey, you'll realize that raps are temporary cash flow, right? The goal of business is to make money now and in the future. And raps or selling things on seller finance is temporary cash flow. It will run out at some point. And I'm not in the I'm not in the business of planting money trees in my orchard that are going to die in 20 years. That's fair you know enough. What I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely. Well, hey, oh, go you, do Chris. it. I appreciate it. Go sell it on a wrap and make some money and, and then move on to a deal and then hold that bad boy. Do deals outside of Texas. So you guys aren't sitting there with those property taxes eating you up. Thank you. Great question though. Thank you. Let's get a woman on here. We need, we've got a bunch of freaking grizzly men up here. Yo, Jackie, what up? Hi. Bring hey. some femininity to this show right now, please. <laughs> well, um, you know, we're just sitting here. We do tons of flips in Las Vegas. And as I'm sure you know, the Vegas market went down really fast. Like um, here. And prices dropped yeah, just, <laughs> really just like fast. Here. And we're holding multiple million dollar properties right now. And we're just kind of frozen in what like we can't it's we're just having a hard time, like moving forward and even looking for deals. We're just so skeptical because you know, we have so much money wrapped up in these deals and like, what would be your advice in this situation? I'll jump on that too. Uh, if, if, but so one, one of the first things I would say. Uh -oh, it's not, it's not you, Jackie. Right it's now, Cody, and it's Cody has similar. to like you prank his hours, computer. You know, all, all of those. His, his internet's so bad, he, he's sitting there <laughs> cranking his computer. Bro, when's the when's the Wi-Fi getting abolished and you have a hardwire, dog? Dude, help, uh -oh. help me out. <laughs> Give me someone that'll do it. 
Okay. Sorry. So Cody, I think you're back. Tell us, tell us your answer. I'm sorry. You yep. paused for like a good 10 seconds. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, one of the first things is because we're in a similar market to you, we have a lot of the iBuyers that you also have in Vegas. Um, we're, first of all, we've upped our criteria for what we'll actually buy and what we won't buy as far as on a fix and flip. Our margin, we're looking for 15 to 20%, where before we were looking at you know, being okay with 10% on a deal uh, on fix and flips. The other thing that we're doing, I mean, we're only staying at the median and, and below. So I know you were saying you have, you know, some, some luxury flips that you're doing. Obviously you have those, like you got to finish those out. I, I would focus on getting those done as quickly as you can, getting those moved. Um, but the, the lower end stuff is all we're really touching right now. When it comes to flips, we aren't going to touch anything. It could be an amazing deal. We aren't going to touch it if it's above the median because inventory I'm sure it's probably similar where it's building significantly in Vegas, like it is in Phoenix yeah. right now. I think but there's about 11,000 houses now on the market. So, yeah. So we went from 3,500 to 20,000. We had 3,500 in March of this year. We have 20,000 here now. So yeah. It was about 2,511 now. So yeah, it's, it's been rough and we, we actually finished all the properties. They're, they're all in the market, but Unfortunately, we've had to price drop and now like even with our investors, we're just having to break even and we kind of know like moving forward, we just have to buy right. But it's just really stressful. You know, it's hard not to just want to. I don't want to give up because we're way too far into it now to ever give up. But it's just it's really rough during these times. And I just it's just nice to know that, that you guys are out there and like I watch your stuff every every day and. I'm just focusing more on finding the creative deals, you know? Um, yeah. I mean, here's a, a couple of pieces. That's of what advice. we're doing. Go ahead, Cody. I was just going to say that that's what we're doing as well. I mean, we're, we're focusing more on what can we buy creatively sub two seller carries that we're, we're locking in long-term debt on uh, any of the fix and flips. We have uh, three, three properties right now that were fix and flips of ours that we were now going to be close to break even or making a very small profit on. And one of them we'd actually be losing money on. So we opted to turn all three of those into rentals right now. So we're going through refinancing into the, you know, what are shitty interest rates right now. So we're just, you know, eating it and we're going to do that. So, I mean, we're, we're feeling that as well, but um, we are focusing more on like the sub twos and the seller carries. And when it comes to flips, we're still going to buy, but we just have to be stealing it. And there's going to be more of those opportunities as other flippers get out. The sellers that need the solution that you have will still be there. It's just going to become, you know, it's just this weird lull. It's kind of like what I'm think comparing this to a little bit is like when COVID first happened, like those first three, four months after COVID, everyone was like, do we even buy real estate? Like, is the world going to end? Like, what do we, what do we do right now? So um, that that's what we're, we're kind of looking at it and on the acquisitions that we're doing in Phoenix, but Pace, I I'd love to hear, uh, hear your thoughts as well. Um, okay. So a couple, so many things I have to tell you that will not help you today. Okay. I'll, I will give you some things that will help you today, but here's number one, write this down. It's going to hurt your feelings a little bit. Uh, remember that flipping is not a business. It's a hobby. And what you guys did is you put your eggs in, into a hobby. And I see all these people are like, I did 62 flips. I'm like, that's not impressive to me. Because flipping is one of the, the things that gets annihilated in a down market. 
and you make a lot, you make really stupid decisions in an up market, us included, Jackie. And we knew this last year, we were making really stupid decisions. We were making calculated, stupid decisions, meaning <laughs> yeah. we would buy things knowing that we were buying close to what ARV was, knowing that by the time we finished this cash flip, that we would make 50 grand by the end because it was an eight month project and the market was trending upwards, right? We knew that. And so that's the funny thing about flips is that you're making really dumb decisions like you're trading stocks. It's like, what's the market doing today? How do I, what are rates doing today, right? And so you're making decisions. So in five years, two years, six months, whatever, the thing that stops that from happening is stop looking at yourself as a flipper and look, you have to put an equation together where you go, we will flip. Every time we flip three houses, we need to hold one. Okay. And here's the other reason why is I don't know what you guys will make, but you're doing a lot of flips. Okay. What would you guys say you may, you could make in a year if like the market, if the market didn't change like it did, what were you guys planning on making this year? Uh, probably close to a million. Okay. But you know what's great about you guys is that you didn't really make close to a million as a, a fix and flipper. You know what you really made as a fix and flipper? About 60% of that. Yeah. Okay. Because this, this is why flipping sucks. Okay. We flip as a side hustle. That's my side piece. Yeah. Okay. Wealthy people use flipping as a side piece. You don't marry that business. Okay. And you make, let's say you make a million dollars, which unfortunately you won't make this year, but kudos to you, Jackie, kudos to you guys. That's some, that's an awesome. amazing, the fact that you can even let those words come out of your mouth is super impressive. Thank you. <laughs> All right. And you gotta, you gotta feel good about that. Like think about having a conversation with Jackie from five years ago, like in a time machine and talking to Jackie and go, yo, we were, we're about to make a million dollars in a year. Just keep going. Like you, you wouldn't even recognize those words coming out of your own mouth. No. Right. So be proud of yourself for that. That's worth billions of fu future income to, in my mind, because you guys have <laughs> broken through hurdles and done all sorts of things that people can't even comprehend what you've gone through. Stress, anxiety, or like waking up early in the morning because you're worried about your projects. What am I going to say to my investors? How am I going to rene renegotiate this? Like every conversation you guys have had in the last 90 days, believe me, Cody and I have had just as many times or, or more, right? But fixing and flipping is not a full-time business. It's a side hustle, okay? And every time in my opinion, I was about to make an analogy I should not be making, so I'll, I will shut my mouth. But here's, here's the challenge. As a fix and flipper, the IRS comes in and they say, you know what, you guys, you guys did such a great job. Thank you so much. We're your number one partner. They are your number one partner. They own 40% of your business, Jackie. Here you guys are splitting profits with all these other people, these investors, yeah. you and your husband. Is it you and your husband? Yeah, yeah, he's right here. You have some other partners? <laughs> yeah, yeah, we have investors as well. Okay, so um, for you guys, out of this million dollars, what would you guys, what percentage of this are you guys partners on? Uh, prob well, that's probably close to what we're taking home. Probably with our investors, it's closer to one point five to two last year we or well this year i guess the first half of the year we made pretty good money close to five hundred thousand okay but great then, but your biggest partner in your guys's marriage is the irs yeah okay did you guys write a big fat check this this april uh not yet 
Yeah, right. Because you guys are we, smart. We, we had to extend it. We got no, no, no. You, we get to extend it. We we get to extend every year. It's the greatest thing ever. So yeah, we we extended two, and that's what you should be doing a hundred percent. But you guys will probably pay between two to four hundred thousand dollars in taxes, right? Yeah. Okay. The great thing, and this is the problem with this. This is future stuff for you and your husband. Is that for for Cody and I? Let's say that him and I make. million in our flipping business, we will keep what percentage of that bit, that money, we will keep 100% of that. We, we take a portion of it. Okay. We take about 20% of our profits and we go and dump those into sub two and seller finance deals. And we hold those properties. And, and the IRS says, congratulations. Thank you so much. We want to reward you for being a real estate investor. And the reality is it's those types of houses and the cash flow and the appreciation and all of the other things. Like if I need money right now, here's the other great thing. I can go pull seven, 10, 20, $30 million out of our real estate right now because we've been accumulating for years. Mm-hmm. So let's say that we hit a, a glut or we had hit a problem in our fixing and flipping business that you're like, crap. We need a cash infusion. You get that from your rental property. So not only does it help you avoid paying taxes, it also helps you weather the storm in terms of cash flow. It makes it so at nighttime, you're like, yeah, we lost $10,000 on that one flip. But you know what? We have $32,000 in cash flow coming in from these rentals. We're we're good. And so that doesn't help you today. But I can tell you the number one problem that fix and flippers have is they get addicted to that like tomorrow money. Those chunks, those chunks of cash. I think like for me, chunk. it's like the deal too. It's just closing the deal, you know, like that's yeah. kind of my you're, you're a deal junkie, yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like I I've always I've been in sales my whole life. So it's like to me, it's just like it's close it's the a deal. Yeah, it's like the more deals I can close. And then I just drowned us, you know. It was oh yeah, it was a blessing and a curse. Cody, have I have I ever done that? <laughs> Which part? drowned us with deals really really quickly because i was just like closing deals as fast as i could one of the most stressful one more deal we're done i'm like i'm sorry one of the most stressful times in my life was like fall of 2019 when we were like there was like a couple dozen like creative finance deals that we were going to be holding while multiple flips were going on like we had you know a couple hundred grand and in uh construction you know pay going out like every two weeks and like i was like i thought i was going to develop an ulcer at 25 (laughs) so i i definitely uh can can feel that but now we have a bunch of those that we've been holding now for a few years and 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 from before so i'm curious have you guys held on to anything or are you flipping everything no we haven't held anything we're actually going to be relocating um to north atlanta and we really (laughs) wanted to focus on doing like subject twos there and our, Where our main Sorry. north, like uh, Roswell, Al- Al- Alpharetta in uh, Georgia. Okay. Yeah. So like just north of Atlanta. And we w- that's where we really want to focus on buying more. Because here in Vegas, like Airbnb business, Jackie, you can't really hold them. Jackie, yes, you can. I have Airbnbs in, Air- in, in Vegas. Well, there's just so many laws now. Everybody has me freaked out about more it. More red tape. There is more. <laughs> You guys are moving to Georgia though, or you're Yeah, yeah. We have we have two properties okay. left that are on the market now and we're just hopefully we have a couple offers on one that we have to review tomorrow. But 
we just have to get rid of these. A couple things. Okay. Do you guys, do you, you and your husband come from a blue collar background? Uh, he does. Yeah. He was in what, um, power, power, like working on a power plant. Okay. And what about you? Uh, sales always. Okay. And, and, uh, what'd your parents do? Uh, my dad was an entrepreneur. My mom was, it's crazy. <laughs> okay. Did your dad, did your dad ever build a big company and uh, like outsource things to the point where he was only working like one or two days a week or was your dad always working? He was always working. Okay. That's blue collar. Like yeah. white, co white collar means I'm out of the business. I'm like, I don't need to be there. I've scaled something that I could go and take to an IPO. That's like white collar, right? Blue collar mm -hmm. is like, I'm working every day for my living. So the biggest challenge you're going to have is when you're a fix and flipper, you guys are turning a hobby into a full-time business and you see what ultimately ends up happening. Mm -hmm. You don't have assets. You guys, especially with how badass of a closer you guys are and like how good you guys are at doing this business. Think about over the last couple of years, how much net worth you would have had just by literally sitting on properties during the COVID area. Yeah. Right now. Yeah. The second thing is why do you care where you buy property? Are you going to go and change the toilets? No then why do you care if you're buying them in Atlanta versus Vegas or it, anywhere else? It doesn't. You're right. It doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. It really I can tell doesn't. you everything that I own, it doesn't matter if it's two miles down the road or 2,000 miles across the country. It, it, it gets handled basically the same, except the way I address it. I have to constantly remind myself it's only one phone call. It's a one phone call problem. But my, my mind in the blue collar in me is like, no, I need to get in my damn truck and I need to <laughs> go pick, go down to Home Depot and get the part and go solve the problem. Yeah. Right? So um, that was a hard thing for us to overcome. And um, Atlanta is an amazing market. I love Atlanta. I, I would legitimately live there three or four months out of the year if I could. But Atlanta is ripe for so many opportunities. Vegas is an amazing market. But here's the thing is I have two Airbnbs there that I did get in trouble for them being Airbnbs. I turned one into a sober living and I turned one into a, tra a traveling nurse home. Mm -hmm. You can do, you can do, you can. Well, and that's what I was listening to you last week, I think. And you were saying even like the sober living, I was like, you know, that might be something for, we have one that's just under a million and it's something for us to consider and present to our investors. Maybe they want to do it with us. Um, but yeah, I was, I'm trying at this point, I'm open to any and all suggestions because we just want, you know, we've been holding these properties for a long time and we want to move forward and doing more wholesaling subject twos. like, we want to focus our business more on that because that's where we can close the deals. Okay. So again, wholesaling, I don't want to say this outwardly, but I'm going to pretend like there's 700 people not here. It's just me and you're having a conversation. <laughs> okay. <laughs> wholesaling. So there, there's, you have to look at all of these different avenues as today money, tomorrow money, and forever money. Okay. Today money is wholesale. Tomorrow money is what? Holding properties. Fi no, that's fixing. Cause oh, you ain't okay. making, you ain't make, making money on a fix and flip today. You're making money on a fix and flip tomorrow. tomorrow. Got it. Forever money is holding. And so as long as you make sure you have an equation, like when you and your husband sit down, you guys need to have a conversation and go, okay, we're going to limit ourselves to every time we do five deals, we're going to wholesale one, flip three and hold one. Right. And your goal then is like, now you're stacking and you could build up 12 properties in a year. Very, very mm -hmm. quickly doing that. I also, one thing that I'm 
curious about is I think you're, the way you guys have raised your capital is actually not advantageous to you guys. No, it's I'm, not I'm, at all. Isn't that That's... interesting? I picked up on this. I know, I know your structure of how you raise your capital is like horrible. I was festering and... inside. I just didn't say anything about it. <laughs> it's <laughs> yeah, not we don't, good. We, we don't let our private money lenders make part of our fix and flips. I mean, you guys have two you guys have two outside partners besides you and your husband. You have the IRS that's taking 30, 40%. And then you've got your other business partners. Sounds like they're taking about 30% of your guys' gross profits. 50. The flipper or wait, the investors are taking 50%. Yeah. Yeah. Me and so Pace we, will do it for 30. Okay. I will do it do for it. freaking are you kidding me? Do the pull out a math calculation and go find like here's the the thing I tell people all the time. If I could go back and learn one skill faster than any other skill, Jackie, it would be raising capital properly. Yes. Yeah. Number one skill because these people, I don't know who you're giving 50% to, but they should be praying to God and thanking their lucky stars every day that they ever met you. And it's probably family that you went no, to. No, it's not. It's not. <laughs> these could, people are I'll like. I'll message you. <laughs> I, I bet you these people are like, I hope Pace and Jackie never talk. 50% <laughs> is ludicrous. You are, you've made these people so much money. Yeah, we've made them a lot of money. And I think that's where we have hurt ourselves more than anything is like we've given we are so giving and we've given 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 and we have barely taken anything for ourselves and now guys yeah are, it's you guys are billionaires in the making you guys have done so many things right and you're so kind to these people our our uh cody guess who called me two days ago shit i don't know Ooh. desiree dog oh <laughs> we have a lender, Jackie, that gave us 110 grand. I know it's not enough to do all these luxury flips you guys are doing, but we had a lender give us 110 grand. We've got we've had her in and out of like probably six to ten sub two deals over the last three or four years. And um, she calls me up and she says, hey, I saw something on your Instagram story. And she's like, you're not allowed to get sick. You're not allowed to get sick. My family relies on your thousand dollars every single month. <laughs> What, what do we pay her? 10% simple interest? Yeah, 10%. We pay her 10% interest. So we pay her 10 grand a year on 110,000 bucks. You and guys are probably paying people. Rolled that 110,000. I was going to say just in a few of the deals that we've rolled that 110,000 through, it's turned into a million two to a million five of just cycling that money through flips, buy and holds, you know, and she's, yeah, super she's made 30 grand, maybe 35 grand in three years. We've made 1.3, 1.4. You guys would have given somebody $600,000 with the same situation that we did with Desiree at $35,000. Mm -hmm. You guys already know this though, right? Yeah. Yes. Did we you, were you here for the beginning where I told you the yeah, story about we my were, dad? Yeah, we've been here since right when you started. Yeah. And did you immediately think, man, we really, we we built a bookshelf in front of a locked door. We should have learned how to raise private capital a long time ago. Yeah, <laughs> it could go to a lot of things in my life, but yeah. Yeah, me too. That's... Honestly, me too. I, I'm not, I have not solved, I have not unlocked every door. 
I just have to remind myself every single day, like solve the damn problem, move on. Solve. Yep. I tell Cody this all the time. I go, I don't mind problems. In fact, I search for them. We all yes, should be yeah. as entrepreneurs. You guys do it all the time, Jackie. Like you're, we crave, especially as closers, we crave new thrills to adapt, you know, to bring skills to ourselves. I don't mind problems. In fact, I love them and search for them. What I mind is the same problem over and over and over. Yeah. And that, so you and that's guys have been stuck crazy. in this situation with these yeah. lenders for, I don't even know. A couple of years. And, and that's why we're just ready to start over, you know? <laughs> it's like, we're just, yeah. Okay, so one of my <laughs> students in Atlanta, one of my students in Atlanta, Julian Rizov, is uh, a lender there. He'll lend in okay. first position and second position. Lends to a lot of people there. The most, the, the amount of money you should pay to a hard money and private money lender, uh, like combined. So you've got your hard money lender. Obviously, you guys are using a hard money lender, yeah. then you're using them as your gap lender. Yeah. Bro, isn't it even worse, Cody? Isn't it even worse? Like they're paying them fifty percent, and the hard they're paying a hard money lender. What do, what's your hard money lender at? Nine, eleven percent. Yeah, yeah. It it fluctuates. Some deals he does nine. Some that person's bringing seventy percent or more of the capital to the table. Did you? Okay, here's a crazy thing. So you've probably heard me talk about myinvestorloan.com. Yeah. Okay, they give us ninety percent of the purchase and ninety percent of the renovation money. Ninety percent of the total money needed. They give that to us at like 9.9% .9 interest. Wow. Isn't that bonkers? Yeah. And this is like you going down, hearing me talk about myinvestorloan.com and what you've essentially done is bought a book on how to become a locksmith, but you never completed the task. Have you gotten on the phone with myinvestorloan.com and said, hey, yo, we do a lot of flips? Not yet. <laughs> I will tomorrow. tomorrow. Are they open? What time? Yeah, I don't know. Message me on uh, on Facebook or Instagram. I can connect okay. you with Chris directly over there. But I, I would say too, I mean, because that's, you know, that's for people like yourselves that have experience. You know, they'll do that 90%, uh, you know, 90% of the renovation as well. So then you only need that 10%. For the down you know so and then yeah. you have to you you pay the the money up front for the for you know for the draw and then they'll do a draw reimbursement so yeah until they which is fine with the money you gave your other partners you could have bought other like millions and millions of dollars of real estate that would have caused you to not pay any taxes on the money that you guys actually kept yeah it's not 600 grand that you gave up to these lenders. It's probably four to $7 million in net worth Compounded. that you've yeah. given. Okay. I've, I've berated you enough. <laughs> I, I appreciate it. <laughs> I, I, this is the kind of stuff that helped us like finally yeah. break through. You know, like people had to just tell yeah. us what's really going on. I have to tell you, Jackie, I'm very proud of you. Jonathan, super proud of you. Like you. not many people can say we're going to make a million this year or we did this or we did that. You guys are a great power couple. You got like a couple little keys. You got to unlock a couple of little doors and your whole life will change. Yeah. Well, we appreciate you just taking the time to talk with us. Like yeah, we really appreciate it. They, and everyone watching, but yeah. <laughs> it felt like, yeah, I just thank you. You just saved like $20 million in lost future <laughs> profits to everybody well, in the comments. 
than this conversation yeah. and hopefully future business. <laughs> yeah. Um, okay, great. Um, thank you, Jackie and Jonathan. Thanks. I appreciate you thank guys. Thank you. Appreciate you guys. Thank you. Bye. That was great. Have a good night, guys. Man, Sunday service is the best. It's fun. Name a better podcast, guys. My gosh. Um, okay, so guys, it's 8.36. I have not seen my wife in three days. It's <laughs> You know what's up, okay? I am I am going to go see my wife, hang out with my wife. Um, sub two students, action-packed week. Very action-packed week. My wife is doing a couple trainings. I'm doing multiple trainings. We've got a bunch of the sub two leaders doing a bunch of trainings. This is like one of the busiest weeks we've ever had in terms of trainings, live trainings and stuff like that on very, very specific topics. So I look forward to hanging out with you guys multiple times this week. Atlanta, if you guys are in Atlanta, Friday night, we are having a meetup, okay? We are having a meetup 5 to 8 p.m. Atlanta time. I don't know the location. Just stay tuned to my Instagram stories. Cody, do you have anything before we wrap up? Oh, no, I think... Uh... I think maybe we should post the link one more time for the folks that might have missed it for the, the elephant challenge. Guys, we're trying to grow our Facebook group to 100,000 people by the end of next summer. It's currently the largest creative finance real estate uh, Facebook group on planet Earth. You have a lot of the sub two students in there loving on the newer people. And we're just trying to grow the Facebook group. It's completely free. We're not trying to charge anything for it. And the way that we're doing that is we're running a free challenge every single month that shows you guys how to go out and get your first deal. My wife and I do it on, we're doing it on September 22nd, 23rd, and 24th. Literally, it's, what are we getting out of it? You guys come into our Facebook group. You join the Facebook group. We do deals together. Maybe you guys will even invest in some of our deals. Definitely not the way that um, <laughs> Jackie and her husband are raising cap. I, we ain't paying you 50%, okay? But we, we, our Facebook group is amazing. We've probably made millions of dollars in that Facebook group by doing deals with people. Our stu sub two students, Astro students are doing a ton of deals in that Facebook group. We just want to grow it. We want to have the strongest. We Honestly, I want the sub two students to practice everything they're learning and bring it to you guys in the free Facebook group. We just want a bigger Facebook group. We want new blood. We want to keep it very, very active and grow three, five, 10,000 people every single month. So that challenge is completely free. September 22nd, 23rd, 24th. I run it myself with my wife. Uh, the link is in the side chat. Kelly Ray says, how can I be an Astro student? Go to astroflipping.com. I'm not, I don't run Astro Flipping. It's not my thing. You won't be learning from me. You'll be learning from Jamil Damji. Okay. Um, all right, guys, thank you so much. We'll, we'll see you guys next week. And if you guys are going to come into Wholesale Hotline tomorrow, I'll see you guys over at Wholesale Hotline tomorrow. Later. Oh, oh, oh.